The biggest story in the NBA, you know, there's a couple. There's Embiid versus Jokic. Now you got LeBron injured. Everything to do with the Brooklyn Nets. But I think the biggest story has been about player injuries and the amount of games missed by uh, MVPs and load management. It just it seems it's a bigger story now than ever. So I'm so excited. The founder of Peak Performance Project, or P3, sports scientist Dr. Marcus Elliott, who has been studying this and studying athletes of uh, their biomechanics for well over 15 years and has worked so closely for so long with the NBA. Uh, Dr. Marcus Elliott's on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for joining the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt. Glad to be on. Now, I need... Yeah, I, I, listen, I was thrilled to have you on. I've been hearing you doing some other interviews. I'm like, I would love to get you on the show. Uh, I always need to ask this. What is the best way for me to address you? I have no problem calling you Doctor or Doc or Marcus or Mr. Elliot. Uh, you were the one who did all the work at getting that degree. <laughs> so uh, you allow uh, you tell me how you sh- you want to be addressed. Hey, um, you know, Matt, I don't really care. As long as you treat me with some respect, I don't care yep. how it leads out. Perfect. All right. Well, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, that, that works for me. And you've been doing this okay. for a long time. I went back to an article from Sports Illustrated in 2014 talking about uh, a tan and athletic Dr. Marcus Elliott. And you had this quote about we are looking for pre uh, 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 we are looking for the factors the same way doctors do in traditional medicine. I, I'm curious just if your own journey a little bit into sports science. Yeah, well, it, you know what, this is, I was one of those people that had, had an idea about what they wanted to do when they were still kids. And, um, you know, I told, I told my dad that what I was going to do in life is study the body really hard and then apply it in sport. And, and the reason for that is because uh, I love sport. I was a pretty bad student as a kid, but I loved sport. I was, I was all in in football and baseball and track, and, um, and it seemed like kind of the best thing in, in my life. Um, and um, and then bodies were already interesting to me. I was wondering, you know, why does it, why these two guys are both the same size uh, when they sprint? One guy takes off fast, you know, he leads through the first 20 meters, and the other guy always always closes. What is what is it about those systems that makes that predictable? Um, and so I and there was no academic track to do what I want to do. I mean, you, you referred to me as a sports scientist. I I, I trained in, in um, a couple different what you think of sports science degrees. Um, but I started working in the Olympic Training Center when I was really young and, um, and doing that in parallel to, to my academic work. And so even from like the age of 18 and 19, I was already working with elite athletes, but in swimming and track and skiing and these Olympic sports. And then I decided to train in medicine. I almost, almost did a PhD in biomechanics. I decided to train in medicine. I trained in medicine at Harvard. Um, but the whole time, my interest was the same as it was when I was a kid, and that was to figure out how to develop bodies smarter, how to, how to care for athletes with more data and more precision than how we were doing it. And that's, uh, that's still what I'm doing. And I, I went from, I started in pro sports, I started in the NFL, I was first director of sports science in the NFL, and then I started thinking about rotational mechanics and sport and, 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 and how, that, how that system works and how to, how to test different parts of the system and train it. And so then got really interested in baseball and started working with a lot of baseball players and then I was I, I was the first director of sports science in Major League Baseball and over the last eight or ten years while we keep working in those sports uh, we've been really interested in basketball and and, and as of now um, about uh, almost two-thirds I think it's 64 percent of the current 
NBA players have been through one of our facilities huh. to assess, uh, to get to get programming off of it, to reduce risk of injury, to optimize their body. So that's um, that's really that's been the path from my view. Um, and and I can tell you, when we started this, man, you know, I felt like we could bring value to a player. Um, but it's nothing compared to what we can do now because we have all this data and we have all this insight that we didn't have 10 years ago. You know, we started, you know, if you think about, say, in, in basketball, you know, which is how you led into this. In basketball, if, uh, if a player lands from a jump, in basketball there's a lot of jumping. And people, people study how, how, how high athletes jump, but they don't really study jump quality. They don't, under, they don't study how they land. They don't even study what the system is that helps them jump high generally. Um, um, they just measure heights, right? We've always thought about, you know, jumping is how high do you jump? Um, and uh, if you think about landings, um, if you have to do a lot of it in basketball. If you land from a jump and you have 15% more force going through one side of your body over and over and over, and you do that 300,000 times, is that a problem? I mean, yeah. it seemed like it would be a problem, but... It seems like that would be a problem, but we didn't really know until we had the data. You know, we didn't know what the average um, asymmetry in landing would be in a basketball player. Um, um, but now that we have all the data, we don't have to guess about those things. And we also don't have to guess about whether or not it's a problem because we can, we can after we assess these athletes, we collect all this data, we follow what happens to them, where they have advantages, where they have disadvantage, and, and, and you build models out of that. So um, my real point was um, the value proposition now as an NBA player, as a professional athlete, and really understanding your system, how to optimize it, understanding where it's at risk, um, is way, way, way higher than when we started. And, 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 I, and I think it was a, there was a decent value proposition even back then, you know, 15 or 16 years ago. Joined by Dr. Marcus Elliott, and yeah, it is fascinating just to look at the work you've done, and it's it's an incredible resume. I'm curious, when it comes to injuries now in the NBA, how much of it is about rest versus how much of it is about mileage? Hmm. <clears throat> well, I mean, I, I let's bring a third variable in there, and the third variable is how much is it about the athlete's System, how he moves, how he, how how asymmetric he is, or how um, how um, uh, what kind of movement pathologies exist. You know, so we, I, I would say, if we're if 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 trying to optimize load management, and obviously injuries are huge in the NBA. Almost every NBA champion in recent years has been decided based on attrition. You know, there are, there are a number of teams that can win a championship, but don't have a chance because their stars are not healthy. And oftentimes the, the, these teams are squeaking into the conversation because they've stayed healthy, even though they don't have, they may not match up as well as, as, as some of their competition early on, but they stay healthy, and so they're they're in the running at the end of this thing. So injuries have never been more important in the NBA. Um, and so back on your question, you know, as we think about load management, about resting players, like I'm I'm not a big a big fan of the system that's in place right now. And, and that's from someone who comes at this um, less from a fan perspective and more from an athlete-centric perspective. Like, I care about the athletes. I want the athletes to be optimized. But the model we have in place right now is, um, is, is, is way too simple. <laughs> the, the model we have in place is um, we're going we're gonna to rest people on a regular basis. We're going to follow load based on 
camera systems, inertial sensors, these new technologies we have. And, 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 and oftentimes teams just have an approach of once you go past the threshold, then you're going to rest. And that might mean you only get 20 minutes that night, or it might mean that you're, you're sitting in that third game this next week. Um, but what's being missed in that is, um, is an understanding of the individual player's risk. It's not just how many times you jump, how many accelerations you have, how many times you sprint, or how many minutes you play. It's about how resilient is your system. And generally, when we, when we, if our only tool to keep players healthy is to rest them, um, what you're also doing is ending up with less resilient, less fit players. Well, was you build players by working them hard and working them a lot, and they build a giant work capacity, and then they can just go and go and go. And that, that that's also true. That's like a that's a Thibodeau model. You know, it's still his belief. Yeah. System, uh, the last time I talked to him, but that 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 is true, and it's also true. That resting a player when they're getting into a red zone for injury is also going to be a smart thing. It's just that being able to, to time those red zones, um, if, 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 if getting it really right is like uh, landing a man on the moon, um, we're at a stage right now where you know, we're not even giving liftoff. Like we're at a very early stage of developing those systems. Um, and they've been, they've been applied in kind of a blanket approach of just resting on a really consistent basis. Um, um, but without without a lot of awareness for building more resilient systems and the work that's going to be done um, to to build those resilient systems. Do you find it again? Joined by Dr. Marcus Elliott, founder of the Peak Performance Project, or uh, P3 for short. Do you find it odd, uh, you know, especially a decade ago, but even now, that uh, teams aren't doing more to try to look at injuries and injury prevention, considering the amount of money spent uh, on these players? No, I mean, here's the truth is that, it, that all the right ingredients are exist right now in the NBA for them to really level up, for the NBA to lead out pro sports in terms of their intelligence and in in building players and, and, and utilizing them optimally, like all the all the all the, the substrate is there, um, um, and that, that that I guess the driver for that is 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 owners of teams and GMs recognizing that keeping players healthy and also developing players because those ki- these kids are coming into the league at 19 years old now, at least the most of the top players, and it's about ready to be 18, I think. Um, so this, this, none of these guys are ready to go. So teams recognizing that keeping them healthy, building players optimally is important. Um, that that's worth a significant investment. That's just starting to be acknowledged. Um, it really is only in the last half decade or so that, that teams are, are saying this is, this is important. In fact, it's really important and we're going to resource against it at a high level. I mean, it used to be, it wasn't very long ago that we had, we had, um, support staffs of maybe three guys for an NBA team. You have a, head athletic trainer, head strength coach, and an assistant athletic trainer, and they took care of all these guys. And now, now you'll have a group of, of maybe 12 people taking care of those, those athletes. So teams are investing in it. It's just that it's, it's, um, it's early stages of, of, of understanding these systems and, and figuring out how to use these new analytical tools that we have. Um, but it's going to be a much better environment. Like we're headed towards something a lot smarter. And one of the things you're going to see in this next, in these next couple of years is these, these load management blanket approaches like players resting every few days or when they when they pass some threshold um, all of our players are going to rest 
I mean, I've heard some silly things. Like, I, there's a, a we're close friends with a, um, um, a shooting coach for a team, um, and they have a they have a rookie on it on their squad that all of a sudden is in starting rotation. who's a late second round pick. He wasn't supposed to be in the rotation. He's got a chance to have an NBA career. He's a great athlete. He can run all day. Um, but um, his people are questioning his, his, his perimeter shooting. And the shooting coach can't work with this rookie because he's exceeded his load management. Um, he can't do any, they can't work on shots off of action. Huh. They can't do the things that this kid needs to do to go be an NBA player. And, and, and he's hungry to get better, and he's 19 years old, 20 years old. Like, his, his body is resilient. We know this kid well. We've worked with him in the past. Um, like, he can go and go and go, but his team isn't letting him go. He can't work on the skill development because he's exceeded his load management. Like, that's not going to happen in the near future. Like, that's such a dumb application of this tool. Um, and, and, and fans get to see star players sitting. You know, they go, to, they go see, go see um, uh, Durant or – uh, LeBron, or I mean, almost any of the of the of the big guys play, the big dogs play, and you know, there's a there's a reasonable chance that that they're not going to see them because they're they're on the second night of a back to back, or they've just exceeded some preset load management. So I don't I don't think you're going to see that type of application in the future. Um, I, I will, you know, to back back this up one notch, Matt. Yeah. Um, I will say, and you know, we've worked in all these sports, and and one of the reasons that we've really resourced against the NBA that we put so much energy into it. I mean, the main reasons are, one, um, the NBA really values its players. You know, the NFL has its next, next man up philosophy. They pull a guy off the practice squad that they're paying less to, and he might be pretty good, and you, move, you go on. Um, the NBA, these are all guaranteed contracts. Um, you, you know, you're paying a guy, you owe a guy 80, 180 million, and you never get a full season out of him. You still pay him 180 million. So it's a, it's, it's a league where the, the players are really valued. Uh, and then the other thing is that that league is so hard on the body that if these players have some poor mechanics, if they have asymmetries, if they have a screw loose somewhere, 82 games in the NBA is going to cause the body part to break off. And that's an unfortunate thing, but it's a great environment to work in if you're studying how what systems um, survive and which what systems break. Um, because when these guys have a mechanical issue – it's going to be really hard for them to go survive an NBA season. And so that's, that's the world that we operate in. And um, I can tell you from a, as, a, as a general statement, um, it's rare to see players have significant injuries <clears throat> excuse me, that have, uh, that have really clean biomechanics. Well, <laughs> it's I, I, rare to have players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost, no, I'm sorry. Almost, sorry. Always, yeah. almost always these injuries are telegraphing themselves in some way. Um, and so if we look at, Traumatic knee injuries, for instance. You know, we're, we're publishing a big study on traumatic knee injuries. It's very rare to have a player that has really good biomechanics that ends up having a, a significant knee injury. And so the future is looking for these signals and acting against these signals um, um, when these guys are still whole. And, and by the way, that's at some point, you and I and people who have bodies that aren't valued nearly as much as ADs, um, they're going to have access to these tools also. Um, we're just gonna we're gonna have to wait. I don't know if it's gonna make if it's gonna make if my body's not probably not gonna be whole by the time they really get around to us. But but in, eventually, you know, we're gonna have these dashboards on our own body, and we're gonna know that that you know our biggest issue is a, a unstable left hip, and we have poor ground contacts on the left side, and the combination of those two things means that you wear you're gonna wear out the cartilage in your left knee unless you unless you work on those. 
Um, so that's 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 um, that's what we're doing in pro sport right now. And uh, and I, I, again, it, it, it's what's going to make it to um, uh, the civilians at some point not, in the not too distant future. Uh, listen, I love it, and I love the work that you've been doing. Most important, mostly because the work you're doing at Peak Performance Project is is going to help keep athletes healthy. And just for sports fans out there, it means we get to watch them play more games and play at their peak level. Uh, Doctor Marcus Amen. Elliott, uh, where, where can people? Uh, where's the best place for people to find more information on you and on on uh, Peak Performance Project? Oh God, I guess um, you can go to our Instagram site. Um, yep. Um, it's P3 Sports Science. Just tag P3 Sports Science. Um, or our website is, uh, is P3.md. Perfect. You get a sense of what we do. But we, uh, I think our, our, our social media gives you a taste of some of the deep dives that we, we go on with athletes, how we look at their systems. And, and uh, you know, it'll probably be interesting for, for people that, that, that love sport. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's it's the big one of the biggest stories in the NBA right now. That's why I wanted to have you on. I really appreciate you joining the show today. Thank you so much. All the best. Man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a it's a pleasure uh, being able to be able to chat with you a little bit today. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Doctor Marcus Elliott. Go. I mean, just get on Instagram. Find him. Find Peak Performance Project and learn what he's been doing now for almost two decades.